You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Media. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff. It's another rerun episode because, you know, each episode's sort of two parts. So this is the second part of the rerun episode. And this one, much like the one that you already heard on Monday, is about Food Not Bombs. I hope you like it. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff, or CPWDCCS, uh, for short. (laughs) And by short, I mean long, because it takes at least as long (laughs) to say the acronym as it does to say the title of the show. And one of my least favorite things is people who try to correct me and say that acronyms are only acronyms when they are pronounceable as words. So, I'm Margaret Kildray, your host, and with me today is the one and only Andrew T. Andrew, how are you doing? Good. Just gave dog up two pills. Yay. Great. Everything's going great. On this day, that is definitely a different day from last time because we definitely don't just record both episodes back to back most of the time. <laughs> Mm-mm. Uh, we've also got our producer, Sophie. How are you doing, Sophie? Uh, still doing well. Was doing well all those days ago when we report- recorded part one. Still mm. well now. You know. Yeah. The days just fly by between recording part one and part two. Fly by, they do. Sometimes it just feels like I get up and get a glass of water. Yeah. (laughs) And then that's it. Uh, Yeah. Time. (laughs) We also have our editor, Ian, who's not on the call, but later we'll be listening to everything we say just to twist our words around and make it sound like we are saying things that we're not saying. Like, I actually got the acronym correct at the beginning of this episode, and then um, Ian switched it around to be wrong. <laughs> and our theme music was written by Unwoman, and you can check out the rest of her music if you would like. So, today we're talking about Food Not Bombs, and we're talking about mutual aid. And if you didn't listen to the first half of this episode, you sh- are missing out on us pontificating about Catholic theology for a moment, <laughs> and also about why we're, or at least why I'm not excited about people dressing up as homeless people. Yeah, that <laughs> um, was... 
I mean, it's just so I, like a classic of the genre, but I know. Yeah. It's like, I know. So the street theater kind of always has that element to it, I guess. I'm just like, ugh. yeah. Come yeah. On. It's not a, it's not a high, high art form. And that is both its advantage and disadvantage, both yeah. artistically and politically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where we last left our heroes, they're feeding people. Every week, they're collecting donations from all over the city and delivering free groceries everywhere because they think that people might need free groceries. And then they're taking what's left over and making a ton of free food and feeding people in the park. And this is just a a good thing to do. No notes. The city is less convinced that it's a good thing to do. Uh, Or at least they don't like the other stuff that these same activists are doing, Mm -hmm. Um, like sticking their noses into every protest and action that they possibly can, fighting every good fight that they come across. So... So Keith McHenry, one of the founders of Food Not Bombs, uh, the main person who's written all this history, he, uh, who's actually really cool most of the time, um, he doesn't like that he's getting harassed by the city. Like, he's getting harassed a lot by the city. Apparently he's being kind of threatened by the city. Don't totally know what that, don't know exactly. So he fucks off. He fucks off to San Francisco. And Food Not Bombs Boston keeps going without him. And in 1987, he starts Food Not Bombs San Francisco. And not long after some people in Long Beach, which um, I don't know if you all knew this, but Long Beach is not actually the name of a beach in LA. It turns out, apparently it's its own city. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A- Andrew, did you know that? <laughs> Los Angeles resident? Uh, I think, I mean, I assume it, it is also a beach though, right? I don't know. Is Los Angeles an actual city or is it just a Hollywood fabrication? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely both. Definitely, Los is a yeah. is a ridiculous city as far as that goes. Yeah, completely agree. Okay, does does Cool Zone Media have an official stance on whether or not it's chill for me to spread conspiracy theories? Like, L.A. is a real place and not just a Hollywood fabrication. Yeah, because that's the conspiracy. Go for it. Los Angeles is a real place. W- stage wink at the <laughs> audience that they can't see. So I'm describing it. Y'all can't see shit. Yeah. All right. So, some people in Long Beach, legally distinct from Los Angeles, started Food Not Bombs. And they were nervous about stealing the name Food Not Bombs, so they started calling it Bread Not Bombs. But then they got in touch with Food Not Bombs, and Food Not Bombs is like, oh my god, we don't care, that rules. Use Food Not Bombs. Um, so they become Food Not Bombs. And Food Not Bombs writes up a little how-to-get-started zine, and they start passing it around. By 1992, there's 30 chapters. They had a conference and decided on the three basic principles that I mentioned at the beginning of Monday's episode. <laughs> Free veggie-based food, autonomous groups, nonviolence. And then they put out the first edition of a book called Food Nut Bombs that explains the whole thing. Very direct titlers. I appreciate a good direct title. So the, the group explodes in popularity after this. Two years later, 1994, 600 people attend an international gathering in San Francisco, and they're representing the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and various countries in Europe. And, okay, my, my theory is that the only downside of the popularity of Food Not Bombs is that we had to go through as activists a whole generation of slogans with names that are like Bikes Not Bombs, Homes Not Jails, Food Not Lawn, Solidarity Not Charity, uh, <laughs> the, the Something Not Something. I really appreciate that y'all's is um, something and something. Like, I feel uh-huh. like that's a, a really positive development. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wasn't around for the, the genesis of it. I have no idea how any of that came to be, but yeah, that is actually a good point. Yeah. I, we were, we were at a, a, a protest recently 
And I, because I hadn't been involved in the early days of it when it was mostly protest support um, mm-hmm. for Solidarity and Snacks, uh, mm-hmm. mentioned last episode. Um, Which people can financially support. Yes, we need, uh, we're, the, the, the fund is getting, we're, we only have a couple more Saturdays left unless we get uh, more funds, which hopefully will come in. Um, but uh, I didn't realize that the like cart that my friend used initially to start the whole thing is like, mm-hmm. was like well known amongst people. Oh, really? <laughs> people were like, cool. oh, it's the cart. We know you. <laughs> That's the cart. That's cool. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, something and something. That is my perp- that is my mm-hmm. uh, endorsement. Uh, society yeah, yeah. is it's a new a new, a new wrinkle yeah. on the on the, yeah. the format. We've progressed past the need for thing, not the other thing. <laughs> that said, all of those things that I named, like homes not jails, homes not jails rules, and I actually almost did a whole thing about them, but I ran out of time. They're like people who, well, they do kind of what they say. They they yeah. open up squats I, and the they provide people housing. Are great. It's yeah. often just the, the like a just another pass at the copy. It's all usually yeah yeah totally what exactly we, what we need yeah that's the main issue yeah and so that's why I would like to propose uh, a new something and something food and bombs <laughs> for people who want to kill the Tsar of Russia. I mean, if you want to kill the Tsar of Russia, uh, mm-hmm. it has been proven uh, empirically through trial and error, a lot of error. <laughs> that the most effective way to kill the Tsar of Russia is with bombs. So, just saying. Putting that out there. Uh, please don't actually do that and then say that I had anything to do with it. Yeah. Okay, so. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, totally. No fucking snitches and food and bombs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, food not bombs. It's getting super popular with uh, people who like to eat food. But there are people who hate fun and freedom and people having nice things like food who are waiting in the wings. And these people, of course, best known as the government and the cops. This conflict first arises in a serious way in 1988 in San Francisco. You've got this mayor. He's super progressive. His name's Art Agnos. He ran on how environmental and feminist and pro-union and shit he was. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> okay, so he comes in during an intense period of gentrification of San Francisco. And it's starting to change it into the yuppie hellhole we all know and love today. He wants to solve the homelessness crisis, and he starts off with some decent ideas about how to solve the homelessness crisis. Um, He wants to build low-income housing, which, of course, always gets complicated, but is not inherently wrong. Um, He also makes sleeping bans, and then he revives a 19th century law against lying down in public place with camping gear. Because you know that the government's doing something good when they find a law that has not been enforced in a hundred years. Yeah. Oi. Yeah. So we should look at the the laws, the other laws from that year and just see what else. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, treats. if this is who you're in company with. Yeah. <laughs> can't be. These were not good legislators at yeah. the time. Yeah. They're like, and here's the law against the following racial. Oh, wait. Nope. Yeah. That's a. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's not for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Eh, no, that's the sweet spot. That is the heyday of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think San Francisco is like it started being all the like, um, like Chinese folks don't come here in the late 19th century, I think. Yeah. And hooray, America has a really cool history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and present. <laughs> so wild. The other okay, thing. So, yeah. No, go ahead. 
Oh no, no, they're just, right. just recapping for my brain. All right. Yeah, so yeah. The, the the law's back. Yeah, the law's back. And he starts sending out cops to sweep parks full of homeless folks. Fuck Art Agnos. Uh yeah. he's not a progressive, he claims it. And and everyone I think starts seeing him as basically like, oh, he's the classic Democrat. He it's a bait and switch. He gets elected by progressives because the elector the, the people who vote him in are progressives, and then he serves neoliberalism instead. Um hooray. <laughs> and Funapom shows up on the scene around the same time as Art Agnos. And Funapom's at the beginning, they weren't even trying to be controversial. They actually applied for a permit and did all of the paperwork and all that stuff. But the local business owners were like, no, you can't have homeless people eating food in public, um, as if there's some other place for people yeah. who don't have houses to eat food. Uh, so they pressure the city. The city denies the permit. And Food Not Bombs uh, rolls over and accepts it and ends as an organization. And wait, no. <laughs> they say, fuck it. And they feed people food anyway. And they start to get arrested for it. Like, a lot. <laughs> like, in the first few months, there's almost 100 arrests. It becomes an assembly line. Someone lines up to get a free meal. Someone scoops food onto the plate of the person who's there for a free meal. And the cops arrest the person who serves the food. So the next server steps up and feeds the next person in line and gets arrested. And, um, and they just do this, right? Because they're not afraid of civil disobedience. They're, they do yeah. what's right, not what's safe, you know? Yeah. It's also truly like, you know, obviously if you're a fucking cop, you are the worst human being. But like, it, it's hard to have it more like in your face. What a fucking yeah. p- disgusting piece of shit you are than yeah. that day. I know. Yeah. And so the fight is about food, I, I guess, kind of, but not really. It's, it's about more than that. It's about who controls public space. Are the parks controlled by the government or are they controlled by the people who make use of the park? And the government, of course, tends to believe that they're the ones who get to control the park. But I would argue if you've ever been to a park, you know that that's not the case. The politics of a park are remapped daily by the people who are there. Like, there might not be a sign up that says don't skateboard on the basketball court, but like the basketball court most of the time is for basketball players and who have their own structures about who decides which courts are being used. And like, you know, it, it's, I mean, parks are, are beautiful because there are these informal organizational spots that happen daily all over the world. Um, I don't know. That's like one thing I miss about living in cities. And yeah. Or, or just like, like the, the, like the, yeah, the, the politics of any like public place are like so interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's just totally. like, you can make all the rules you want, but those aren't the rules. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and people who have no private space to return to, they're going to use public space, which makes sense, right? And I've never had to deal with homelessness. I used to be a traveling activist, but that was by, by choice. It's very structurally different. But I remember this one time, I was taking a nap in a van in a parking lot, and it was really hot, so I opened the doors. And, and I was just thinking about how, like, I could now get in trouble. It'd be perfectly legal for me to park my van and get out of it and leave my van in this public space. But now that I'm sleeping in it, it's sketchy. But even more than that, it seems so weird to me that if I didn't have a car, I can't just set my stuff down in this public space that is meant for holding stuff, right? Is a public space meant for people to leave their car and walk away. And it just sort of like hits me. What's the magic of a car yeah used in a certain way yeah yeah and then even if you have a car if you don't have a private space to then take it home to later 
you're not usually not allowed to park it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't know, whatever. This isn't news to anyone, probably, that there's a lot of laws against homelessness that, oh, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but I don't. There's that quote about the law and it's, it's, uh, it's awesome equality per, uh, outlaws oh, both yeah, the poor yeah. and the rich from like pissing I'm in the street. The, yeah, 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 totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although I bet yeah, rich people the laws, can sleep. The law is like perfectly fair. Like, like yeah. no one is permitted to sleep under the bridge or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, in, uh, in LA specifically, they've, they've come out with all these like, where they pretend like it's not trying to do that type laws mm-hmm. where they're like like recently LA City Council approved an ordinance where it's like bike repair on the street is now illegal and yeah and then they were like what well, this, what, oh what do you God. mean this has not this has nothing to do with you know the unhoused communities uh and and, and you know anybody with that that reads it is like J- just be honest. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what, the, what are you? What are you? What do you mean? And uh, you know, there's there's so many different things. It's like putting boulders under freeway underpasses mm-hmm. and things like that. They're like, oh no, uh, it's to prevent, and they make up some lie. It's like, yeah, <sighs> I saw a bat there once, and I don't want people to get yeah. rabies, so yeah. that's why there's a boulder. It's like yeah. just treat people with dignity. Don't be so you're duh. Politicians I know. bastards. We'll just be gloves off and be like, we want our clean city. Actually, don't do that either. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, just, be nice. like, just be fucking nice. Just be fucking nice. Oh, I, I prefer the open fascists. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, like sort of, it's glib, but yeah. don't tempt them. Yeah. I know, I'm not looking forward to that stage. Yeah. It's like always like, like oh, well, I, I just prefer when people are say what they really believe. It's like, I promise you, you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I know. I know we were talking about like Democrats that run with these liberal policies and then it's like, oh, no, you're a Republican. And like that yeah. sucks. But yeah. but having like the actual fascist run on fat like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of those It's like like the like oh I I yeah. prefer it. At least I know where I stand. It's like uh, nah, that, no. <laughs> knowledge of where you st- stand is like such a valueless thing. <laughs> and also like right like when everyone had to be quiet about I mean slightly more quiet about their racism and shit. I think yeah. it made fewer young racists because yeah. if you can't pass it on as this contagion yeah. racism is a contagion yeah. so like yeah um, it, truly it is like like that that is like the thing it's like for all like the the you know subconscious or, or like quiet mm-hmm. racism like it, it truly is better it is yeah. just better yeah a better society where at least they have to experience some sort of shame or second guessing themselves yeah um I'm not saying it's good but it's better than the alternative. It yeah. certainly is that. Totally. Ugh. Okay, so... Yeah. Where, where uh, we? <laughs> yeah. So all these people are getting arrested because the city is real clear how they want to control space. They're like, we control the parks. There's actually all these quotes from different city council people that are like, or, you know, from the city government that's like, and cops that are like, we control these parks, not these homeless people and these anarchists or like, they're making a political statement. I mean, it's like, yeah, of course, feeding people in a society where there's people going hungry and dying in the streets is a political statement. Like, yeah. this shouldn't be happening is a political statement because the current political yeah. system isn't working. Um, it's also, like, pathetic that that is the, like, yeah, is, you're scared of political statements? Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
So the civil disobedience works. And after a few months, the city sits down to negotiate with them and gives them a temporary permit. They have to like move a couple blocks over to like get out of, um, I think they're in Golden Gate Park at this point. They have to go a few blocks away. So they're like less in public eye, but they drop all the charges against all the arrestees and, and things are a little better. But these radical homeless people, the next year they set up an encampment outside of city hall and they have the coolest slogan ever for this exact thing, which is we're tired. We're hungry. We don't like the government. <laughs> um, just say what you fucking mean. I, I want yeah. our side to say what they fucking mean. You know, that's significantly better. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, the problem is uh-huh. most of our side, quote unquote, our side. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean that. That's true. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, that's the dark side of things. Yeah. Uh, well, Food Not Bombs decides to go support the, just to avoid <laughs> lingering on that dark thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Food Not Bombs, they decide to go support this this homeless-led initiative. And I believe it, at this point, a decent num- chunk of the Food Not Bombs organizers are homeless folks themselves. I'm not entirely certain about how all that works, but it's you know, more complicated than people might initially think. Um, and they set up a 24-hour soup kitchen to feed the, the protest camp. And this and the fact that some of the organizers uh, nonviolently occupy the mayor's office gets the whole encampment swept by the ostensibly progressive mayor and Food Not Bombs permit is revoked. And so Food Not Bombs is like, all right, fuck it. And they go back to the park, no longer a couple blocks away. And they just, um, they're not going to be swept out from public eye and they're just going to feed people. And over the next seven years, this, this fight goes on for seven years over two administrations. Over a thousand activists uh, get cited and or arrested for feeding people in the park. Nuns and priests join them. Uh, at one point, my favorite was that uh, lawyers of the National Lawyers Guild showed up. Uh, shout out to the National Lawyers Guild. They're great. They decide to serve food and get arrested. But the cops are like, no, we're good. <laughs> and just don't arrest the National Lawyers Guild because <laughs> that's who they're actually afraid of is, co- oh, is lawyers. God. I mean, they used to be. I I was at the um, just for a part of. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't able to be around for like the most violent parts of the um, mm-hmm. when uh, disgusting, hopefully soon to be gone, city council member Mitchell Farrell ordered the uh, LAPD to sweep um, Echo Park uh, uh-huh. Lake um, here. And truly, I mean, it was one of those like right. Like this, this felt like a new thing. I'm not super experienced with mm-hmm. stuff, but like the LAPD, like, first of all, like, you know, performing acts of violence now with like everything recorded, but like actively going after journalists and the like the the green hat national. No, yeah, you're right. Folks, yeah, like, targeting them in some truly fascist shit and then setting up a uh, literal concentration camp at Echo Park Lake. They fence it off, and you could not, you didn't, you weren't free to leave or yeah. enter. They're just going like, to concentrate all the people into one place so that they can be handled. It was fucking and that not was a concentration just park, just, just concentration like of people. Open. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it like, was filmed. No, you're right. It was, you know, yeah. it was so fucking disgusting. Yeah, it's unforgettable. Mainstream media wouldn't even like really cover it because um, they're cowards. Yeah. But it's like it was being live streamed on Twitter and you're seeing it and you're like, uh, yeah, th- this this is a concentration camp in the middle of Los Angeles being run by our by the LAPD yeah. By yeah. Mi- and by actual Mitchell. fascist Mitch O'Farrell. Yeah. 
If you're listening to this and you're an LA voter and there's, or if you're not actually, there's any way to, to contribute to the Hugo Soto Martinez campaign in any way to unseat open fascist Mitch O'Farrell, please do that. Please. Yeah. One of the things that I keep running when I was like researching this at, at one point, I like got really frustrated about halfway through writing all this where I was like, it's all so quaint. I know that they were fighting for really hard things. I know it was really hard, but I'm just like, Oh my God. Like the, just even the, what you're saying about, you know, the national lawyers guild actually gets arrested now. Right. In the exact same situation. And just like, yeah, I'm really not trying to downplay the incredible amount of work that food Net bombs. Uh, well, that still does and does now in this new context. So I'm really not trying to knock it. Um, but it is, it's, it's hard to see how far we've not come in terms of um, the move towards. Open yeah. Fascism. I mean, I think it, it, it is also like, like probably the at least some version of this activism the the stuff that i felt like i saw a lot in the 90s was a lot of people insulated by their whiteness from Mm -hmm. some of the worst um things and and but that is like part of you know it goes both ways too because it is like part of civil disobedience is like civil disobedience only works if your um oppressors have any kind of conscience and like yeah it's just like cops have more of a conscience for like white teens yeah. than you know your average unhoused person, your average black person, etc. Yeah. Like, so there is some version of that, but then that becomes like sort of this white saviory vibe that can yeah. go the wrong way. It could turn into people encouraging street theater where you dress up like the homeless because <laughs> you don't think about what that means. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sorry, I'm, I'm just like on that little tangent. No, yeah, no, it's like scary now. That's that, such a good that's point. That's to me, like, mm-hmm. like during the, the George Floyd uprising, it was just like, oh, the LAPD is like beating middle-class white women in broad daylight now. Yeah. Which feels like an escalation. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, at least typically under, they, they, in the past, it feels like they would at least wait till sundown. Yeah. To do that. No, show. they were like actively kettling people at like on, on a, on a Tuesday at like 1 PM and yeah. then like, and then like yeah. beating them on camera yeah yeah it was like pretty remarkable honestly yeah yeah and you know what else is remarkable oh my god market <laughs> i was like are you gonna do that because it's not that time uh These the deals? concept of dogs oh yeah dogs and oh uh we have a new advertiser uh that i'm very excited about that we'll be running an ad it'll actually be the first um host voiced ad that we'll be running on this network and Wonderful. that is the concept of shut the fuck up <laughs> shut the fuck up mm-hmm. yeah shut the fuck up don't talk to cops that is the concept oh smart yeah, yeah. no sorry i wasn't telling you all to shut the fuck up I'm saying that when I you was, get arrested but... shut the fuck up oh there's that too but some of y'all do need to also shut the fuck up here's some ads <laughs> hi margaret killjoy here boy the world sure is a mess right now huh Seems like every day there are more and more reasons to get out into the streets and protest. That's why, when I get arrested, there's only one strategy I trust. I shut the fuck up. I say, I would like to remain silent. I would like to talk to my lawyer. And then I shut the fuck up. In the United States of America, it's constitutionally protected and recommended by the National Lawyers Guild. That's S-H-U-T-T-H-E-F-U-C-K-U-P. Once again, that's S-H-U-T. T-H-E-F-U-C-K-U-P. Because you can't talk yourself out of custody 
but you can talk yourself into a conviction. Providing identification to law enforcement required in some states and situations. Giving name and address expedient in most circumstances. Never discuss the events leading to arrest with anyone except your lawyer, doctor, or therapist. Posting pictures of protests and actions on social media may lead to complications. If you have already talked to cops or experienced confusion about talking to cops, call your attorney immediately, as these may be signs of more serious legal problems. The concept of not talking to cops does not provide legal advice, and the foregoing statements are for informational purposes only. If you have specific legal questions, consult an attorney. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we are back um, and we are thinking about the escalation and also, yeah, how like people who actually are mar- are more heavily marginalized by society have been dealing with this shit. And it wasn't as like quaint even back, you know, yeah. like, so that is a, a really good point. I mean, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It, it just goes always like, it's like, yes, they're absolutely doing, you know, a good thing on the balance and like, certainly mm-hmm. they're the allies, but yeah, it's just it is weird, like the the using essentially your own privilege to mm-hmm. advance goals, but sort of still you have that privilege and you can not extend that privilege, which is always like the precarious thing too. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean I think that, that has a lot to do with like where you're taking direction from, right? Like um yeah. you know, 
if I'm going to be protesting in a context in which I'm attempting to use my white privilege, uh, it usually, ideally, would be in the context of like listening to, uh, you know, the direction and the overall strategy that is being proposed um, by the the group that I'm attempting to be in solidarity yeah. with. You know, um, yeah, and which is of course also really complicated because people are like people of color are not a monolith even among individual you know like identities yeah. and so you know you, you people choosing who they listen to it well this is why i don't run a politics podcast as this shit gets messy i just talk about yeah. history no exactly <laughs> i mean i think that's like it's both messy and like ugly and and you know the reality is there is no like right yeah. way totally yeah yeah i think that that and that's one of the things I love about um, movements that are so um, like like diverse in terms of ideologies, in terms of ideas, in terms of strategies, tactics. Like when we can work to coordinate different strategies and tactics together, and different people coming from different positions, I feel like that's where we are our strongest. Personally, mm-hmm. um, so the next mayor of San Francisco. Speaking of people <laughs> getting a little more um, glove off, the next mayor of San Francisco. Was the chief of police who orchestrated the crackdown on food nut pumps? Um, right. And he runs an anti-homeless camp on a he runs on an anti-homeless platform, and things just heat up for food nut bombs, but of course also everywhere in the city with this guy. And over the course of the fight, the city removes all the benches from the park, so folks have to eat sitting on the ground, which didn't stop anyone from eating food. You'll be shocked to know. Uh, then they put up signs everywhere that said serving food without a permit is a crime. Um, these were probably roughly as effective as skateboarding is a crime signs. Yeah. And, and it's like, it really is like, what, like, what society are you in yeah, I know. that, that, that is your like no. priority. That's a, that means taxpayers spend money on this. It's like, is this really who you fucking are? I mean, it is. It is. Yeah. Like, it's gross to think about like, or to yeah. be that person. And the other thing they spent taxpayer money on was to remove the fountain from the park. <laughs> because yeah. I guess no one's, you know, all right, well, they're, they're going to eat. They better not be somewhere with like pretty things. They better not enjoy it. You know, or have access to a water feature. Or, anyway. Um, so, Food Not Bomb starts getting, it comes up with different tactics to deal with all this harassment, right? People get sick of people, of the cops stealing their food. So, they start having decoy food buckets where they put a third of the food in the bucket. And they go up and they set up and the cops steal the bucket. And then they're like, oh, shucks, you stole our food. And the cops leave. So then they bring out the next third of a bucket and they serve some people. And then the cops steal the food. And then they bring out a final third in a third bucket. And the the flyer that they distribute all over the world being like, here's how to deal with it. If the cops are stealing your food is like cops are too embarrassed to come back the third time to steal the food. (laughs) And I don't know whether it's they're too embarrassed that they got like Looney Tunes tricked or if they're just embarrassed about the fact that it really hits home about the fact that they are like just stealing food. That's what their yeah. job is, is steal food from the mouths of hungry people. And uh, Keith McHenry, the founder guy that, you know, I have the most information about, he was arrested 94 times between 1988 and 1994, which is more than once a month for seven years straight. As he puts it, he was framed up on three other felonies during that time and was facing 25 years in prison. Um, I have no counterargument to this. And during that same time period, for example, the FBI had just covered up the car bombing of two environmentalists, Judy Berry and Daryl Cherney. Yeah. And they 
the feds might have even done the car bombing, but the thing that's been proven in court is that they at least covered it up, right? So this is the... So here I am being like, ah, ha, ha, different times. Like, actually, no, people are getting car bombed by the feds. Um, probably. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like... It probably is. I mean, they are the same people. Yeah. They're worse and they have the internet now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, they're the same people that have always been doing this shit. So... Yeah. Yeah, it it is different. It was more innocent and less innocent. Yeah, for you know, in different ways, different. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's just different. Is honestly the. Yeah, yeah. They're not any less murderous in service of right. You know, right of their their little society. Yeah, just their tactics changed in different situations. Yeah. So he spends a a total of uh, Keith McHenry spends a total of five hundred days in jail during this seven-year time, just with all of these minor arrests for serving food. Um, and the harassment started getting so bad that Amnesty International was wrote a letter to San Francisco saying that they were considering designating Food Not Bombs activists as prisoners of conscience, basically saying, like, if you, um, if you don't stop harassing people based on their political beliefs, that uh, we're going to adopt them as prisoners of conscience, you will be breaking international law, and we will fight for their unconditional release. And eventually... Two mayors later, Food Not Bombs just kind of wins by default because the city stops its war against them and they keep serving food. And 30 years after all this stuff, they're still serving food. And they still serve food all over the world. The current best guess, there's no official registry of Food Not Bombs. Uh, The best guess is that there's around 500 cities in the U.S. with chapters and about 500 more cities around the world. And Food Not Bombs of activists have been spied on by the feds and arrested by cops time and time again. Literally, while I was um, researching this, I messaged Sophie as soon as I figured this out. I ran across a memo from the FBI about how they were spying on Denver food nut bombs in 2004, which is um, when I was in Denver cooking food nut bombs. And and it stuck out to me because uh, they're describing how they were trying to get information out of my neighbors. Like our house ran one day of cooking and different houses across the city ran different days of it. And some punks, like some... It's like punks did it some days, students did it other days, whatever. And and so the the document points out that while they arrested eight activists at this Food Not Bombs house, none of them nor any of the other people at the residence that the FBI was trying to question gave any information to the investigation, which rules and is what how you all should handle interactions <laughs> with the federal police. You tell them that you have representation and that um, ask for their yeah. card, and that is the only information you give them. You don't lie to them. And you don't tell them anything. Anyway, so after the fall of the Soviet Union, let's just jump gears really quick. Food <laughs> <laughs> Not Bombs springs up all over Russia and the former communist bloc. Poland, Ukraine, Serbia, Croatia, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, and Russia all have or had chapters. And the stakes there are a bit higher than they've been for a lot of the U.S. chapters. In November 2005, a Food Not Bombs are in St. Petersburg, uh, Timur Kachavera was hanging out at a cafe a few hours after serving food in the park. A crew of boneheads, which are Nazi skinheads, swarmed him chanting, and this will be a familiar chant to Americans, they were chanting anti-Antifa. <laughs> Nazis restrained Timur while another, another Nazi who was only 14 years old uh, stabbed him to death uh, five times in the neck. And Timur was an, was an anarchist and a philosophy student. He was 20 years old, and he played in a punk band called Sandinista. Two years later, 
boneheads swarmed food not bombs in St. Petersburg again. And if I'm reading the various articles correctly, they swarmed the actual feeding itself this time. They attacked, and another food not bombser, Ivan Yellen, he survives, but he got stabbed 20 times for serving food in the park. And while he was recovering in the hospital, dozens of his friends showed up to donate blood to the hospital. Some came from as far away as Moscow, which is like an eight-hour train ride, basically people coming in solidarity to, to offer their blood. I'm sure they had plenty of blood. I hope the people who showed up then gave blood to other people in the hospital, uh, which is an interesting escalation of mutual aid. Yeah. And then on the 4th of February, 2007, Nazis went for the ultimate irony and they bombed a food not bombs. No one gets killed. Uh, they, I just want to like say that up front so there's less tension around that. They, they hide a bomb in the flower stall and it's, I hate to laugh at this, it's set to go off at the time of the feeding, but the joke's on the Nazis because the feeding was run by punks and so they were late. And so the bomb goes off uh, before anyone arrives and no one was hurt and they fed people as usual on the day that Nazis tried to bomb them. I said at the very beginning where I was like, in this time, no one gets killed by Nazis. And actually one person gets killed by Nazis in this Yeah, spring. And I, I, rem- I, I didn't, I didn't, I should have probably known where I was going. I was, obvi- I was more chuckling at the, oh, no, you, you know, we're anti-Antifa. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You're just fascist. It's fine. Yeah, you're Not regular fine. fu. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, no, totally. Um, yeah. And I, I remember when this happened, it hit us all kind of hard and it was like kind of sobering, right? Um, because we would get harassed for serving food nut bombs. And like a couple times I've served food nut bombs or eaten it with like riot police all around and helicopters overhead and all that shit. But fucking Russia, they're getting bombed for it. And and the attacks were focused. It's the same focus in the US. It's, it's about who controls spaces, right? In the US, yeah. it's the government is like, we control the parks. And in Russia at the time, the Nazis were like, no, we control the parks. And so it was, they were attacking the the St. Petersburg DIY leftist and anarchist punk scene, which organized against the fascists under the name Antifa. And so the regular fa are not fans of Antifa. And so, you know, they... No, it, but it, it's just like, it's like, again, if you're murdering people <laughs> for, like, handing out food, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, but that's like such a, like, fascist through line. You know? like, it's just like, and that is a little, you know, we talk, I talked about it as like me not understanding, you know, I, I was sort of like, I, I guess I was still also just like not, not, not clear, but like when I was talking about just the small amount of mutual aid stuff I've been mm-hmm. doing over the last couple of years and like the, the like relative paranoia, I feel that, mm-hmm. you know, these, these, you know, some <laughs> of patriots like have. And I, I think the the thing that is, it's like, because in my, in my mind, it's like, what are they going to do? Kill us for handing out, you know, granola bars? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Depends on how far things go, but yeah. Yeah. But the answer is yes. Yeah. Like, so so that's like hard to internalize. And I think yeah. is, it's like, because often you like come to this sort of thing with like the energy of this is like a social thing. Yeah. Um, or at least it's part of it. And it's like, yeah very hard to not you know to realize that like yes like we are like doing something but it's like we're actually there is a a element of peril to this that is hard to like kind of like really realize sometimes like right this shit is like real yeah and like even though it shouldn't be 
Again, no, totally. It's literally just handing out fucking yeah. snacks and like hand sanitizer. Yeah. And almost every single Food Not Bombs feeding that happens worldwide is pleasant with good, mediocre to good food, depending on the cooks. Yeah. And a good environment and safe, you know? And like, and I, I, I definitely wouldn't discourage people, you know, um, if you're in Moscow right now, it's a lot more complicated, right? Um, but, yeah. you know, and, and things will get more complicated here as things happen, but, but that's going to be true. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be true like wherever you are. Yeah. But it is also like, yeah, like elements of like, there's always something you can do. Totally. Um, so it's like, you know, if you get to the point where it feels perilous to be there in person, there's things you can do. Yeah. If it feels perilous to like, be with a collective group of people cooking or mm-hmm. organizing or whatever. There's things you can do. Um, totally. Yeah. Something. There's always more. You can always be doing more than you've been mm-hmm. doing. And like, and it can always be something that plays to your strengths and it doesn't have to be something that is like, you can think about what you are willing to risk and then think about how you can go about meeting your own needs and still engage, you know? And like, yeah, just being the person to call like, food co-ops or big chain organic stores or regular stores and be like, hey, I'm working with, uh, you know, Food Not Bombs mm-hmm. or if, if they're burned on that, make up some other, I don't know yeah. the legality what I'm saying. Um, find ways to get donations of food and like, I think, you know. I think, yeah, you probably could just not name the <laughs> yeah, yeah. place, um, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's always something. I mean, I think that I was doing um, also during the George Floyd uprising was like trying to help out with... Um, just listening to the police scanner. Yeah, totally. Which was also illuminating in that I was like, oh, these people are both like, it was wild listening to cops be legitimately sound afraid. I mean, they're fucking you know, cool. fascist cowards. <laughs> yeah. But it really was. I was like, oh, you're scared of, like, I know who's in that crowd. Like, yeah. you're fucking scared of them? You fucking yeah. cowards. <laughs> like, you have guns. You're the violent ones. Yeah. And that's, I mean, because fascism is a coward's ideology. Like, it's, that's why they only attack when they're in big groups. That's why, you know, like. Yeah. um, And when there's a fair fight, they back down. It seems like not universally, but it. um, Yeah. And a lot of what I'm reading about history. Not even a fair fight. Yeah. I mean, you see it like in Portland and like all the, like, if you just like can stand up and be organized, the fucking Proud Boy type folks just like. They're too stupid and weak and scared. Yeah. And, I mean, it is the difference in the ideologies. It's like they don't have each other's backs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so the reason they need, like, the swarm is because they're, they're so brittle because they are so cowardly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally just I'm f- afraid of the other. That is the, it seems to me, is yeah. like the core of fascism, you know? And, yeah. So, speaking of people standing up to fascism, this isn't an ad break. This is just me talking more about uh, some of these Russian food not bombsers. But it could be. Dogs stand up to fascists. Uh, some of them. Some of them oh, work yeah, for fascists. I don't know. Okay, no, that's, that's a hard one. Fam- famously, a bunch of them love fascists. Yeah, okay. Um, well, <laughs> Probably a lot, of, a lot of our most famous dogs are pro-fascism. <laughs> uh, you know. All right. All right, fine. <laughs> Regrettably. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, no. 
more dog more dogs are cops than are not cops i know my dog no that's not true more <laughs> dogs are not cops but more famous dogs are cops yeah but there's riot dogs all over um in greece and various countries in south america and central america uh who who hate cops all mm-hmm. right well then here's some unrelated <laughs> advertisements because we live in a capitalist <laughs> hell world yes this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time you name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we are back and we are talking about food nut bombs in Russia and food nut bombs continues in Russia. Uh, I, I believe to this day during the invasion of, well, at the beginning of the current invasion, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Moscow food nut bombs put out a uh, hasty translation of a statement, which is in order to keep and increase the benefits in their hands, the government declares wars. Who will collect their intestines with their hands? Who will have their arms and legs torn off by explosions? Whose families will bury their children? Of course, all of this does not apply to the ruling minority. We must resist the militaristic regime and the war it is waging with all of our might. Spread information among your comrades. Fight as best you can. And, uh, and then they've been doing that. The, a bunch of food not bombs activists were arrested in February at anti-war demonstration. You can see the video. It's literally just some people walking down the street with a banner and cops grabbing them off the street and arresting them. And then uh, in March, at a Food Not Bombs feeding, 
unknown assailants. They might have been cops. They might have been just piece of shit warmongers. Kidnapped four people out of food not bombs, threw them into a car, drove them out into the forest, said they were going to make them dig their own graves, dropped them off one by one and beat the shit out of them with police batons and seriously wounded several of them. I believe all of them, but I'm not sure. Um, Belarus food not bombs has been going since 2006, but they had to suspend operations in January 2022 because of the repression there of the anarchist movement uh, because Belarus is bootlicking for Putin and that things have been going real hard for them there. Um, but that was a terrible bummer note for me to end this part about food not bombs on. There's actually one more story that's related to mutual aid that I want to say. But if you have a way to quickly turn this around on a positive note about food not bombs, I'm I'm looking at how I wrote the script and I'm not proud. Well, I mean, I think the thing that is like, it, it's the scary part, but it is the like real part, which is like, again, I I came to mutual aid mainly because you know the world but mm-hmm. also like it was like honestly just for my own mental health like such a like important thing it wound up being to like do something and it's yeah. like there's a social element to it but like not that it's good that this is this is a political action that is like violently repressed by literal fascists but I think to to the extent that there's a silver lining for like an American audience is like, this is like, you are part of something actually powerful when you yeah. do things like this. Um, that again, it's, it's that like, you know, you look around and you're like, for me, I'm like, God, everyone seem, here seems really fucking paranoid. And it's like, they're not, but they're not bad. You know, it's still yeah. like, like, at least there's that power there of realizing that you are like really doing something Yeah, um, can be helpful, but yeah, it's fucking hard, obviously. No, that makes sense. I mean, like we live in a society that tries to deny us agency, right? That's like one of its main structural ideas. Um, and, and here's just a, a really good, almost always very safe way to claim agency and also this, uh, the society we're living in right now is trying to, not even the society at large, but chunks of it are trying to disappear people and more and more people are trying, are starting to fall through the cracks. And it's not a coincidence from my point of view that this is happening as uh, other things in the world are getting worse. And, and here's a way that you can help stop that. You know, there's that, there's that fucking poem about the, you know, first they came for and then they came for. Yeah. And like, great. Like, Give people, give stuff to people who are homeless. Like, that's good. That is part of that. That is part of stopping that chain of events that does lead to you and I, you know? Like, yeah. um, You know, uh, the other like purely selfish way, mm -hmm. if if you want to look at it this way, it's like, like we're talking about like sort of like in vaguely like militaristic terms. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's like, Again, I am past probably my brick throwing days, mm-hmm. but like, why do you keep winking when you say that, though? <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, um, no, I really am. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm no, like, I, I was just like, <laughs> that even was like, so even funny, like, Margaret. That even was like, very funny though. <laughs> carrying carrying a folding table the other day, I was like, God damn it, I'm fucking old. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I just can't. Uh, yeah, I'm like you. Here's why, uh-huh. not because I'm like it's it's. I'm just like you would. You don't want me. 
I'm not I'm not best used on brick throwing duty yeah, either, yeah. on either side of things. Yeah. It's just like not it's not good for anyone. However, I it, it was a thing where I was like during like some of the darkest and the uh, like perpetual upcoming darkest moment like the darkest moments to come is that like these motherfuckers who are like the paranoid people who mm-hmm. are just like, you know, in my eyes paranoid people who are like handing out granola bars, yeah. et cetera. Like when, if, and when like shit really goes bad, like this is the network. This is yeah. the thing that becomes a resistance or whatever, yeah. or like, if not these people, then something like it or something adjacent to it. Yeah. Or like, and, and you know, it's real because these people have been out on the street doing shit, spending their own like energy and money and, and like time like if they were narcs, <laughs> it would be a you know they deserve it because they put in years. <laughs> yeah, of totally. This shit. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, fine. Just send me to jail. It's great. Yeah. There's this old Earth First thing where Earth Firsters would be like, okay, once you figure out who the cop is in the group, you don't um, you don't kick them out. You just have them take all the notes. <laughs> and you just like make sure that they pay for everything. I am not yeah. recommending this as a strategy. I am not trying to opine about how groups should deal with infiltration. I am merely relaying a thing that has happened in the past. Um, <laughs> no, truly. Well, but yeah, but yeah. it's it's like there's the element of like, you know, yeah, just again, on a purely selfish level, it yeah. was like these are the folks that I having demonstrated having their back, they're going to have my back. Yeah. Um, and, and the people you meet, I don't know. It's like, I mean, you know, if, if that's another way to look at it is like, you're yeah. just building the structures that hopefully we will never need in a real way, but where well, we already use them in a real way. And like, I've always been about, you know, I think that this dichotomy between uh, the self-interest and the community interest is a, is a false dichotomy. Because being part of a healthy community that takes care of people rules for me as an individual. Like, I love Food Not Bombs because I ate it so much and it let me not have a job and just run around and hop freight trains badly and mostly failed at that and hitchhike around and, like, live the life I wanted to lead in my 20s, right? And, And also, yeah, building these networks is, like, one of the only ways that I can, like... I mean, I'm not doing the work of building these networks now. I just run a podcast and read history books, which also rules. But... I don't know, being part, knowing these networks exist is part of literally how I sleep as well as I do as a trans woman in the current environment, Yeah, you know? So, yeah, it's like, it's like, at least you kind of have a sense that, look, you're, you have a chance and you have people who are like organized and doing something and look, yeah, not, not everything yeah. is going to succeed. Mostly it doesn't succeed, yeah, totally. but yeah. You know, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that does not actually naturally lead to, but I want to pivot to talk about the final final part of this whole thing, which is, I bet you're wondering, I know a lot of people at home are wondering, what do gay birds have to do with mutual aid? And, and I have an answer for you. Because this is going to be a story that uh, talks about the origins of mutual aid as a, as a term, at least. And it brings us back to Russia, uh, where the land where the government says there are no gay people. Um, I don't know whether they say or not there's any gay birds. <laughs> but so 
I can't remember the name of the magazine and I'm so annoyed. I spent so long trying to find this magazine, but I read this magazine in 2004. And it was about gay birds and mutual aid. And uh, I wish I had a time machine so I could go back and tell younger me that like one day all of these things that I read that give me my ideas, I'll actually have to cite them and source them. Uh, <laughs> I would not have believed you. And I find this magazine in a trash can and it's about science. It's a science magazine. I don't remember the name of it. And it has an article and it's talking about scientists are finally starting to talk about gay animals in the early uh, turn of the millennia, the early aughts. And, um, and they're trying to figure out what the fuck it means for evolutionary science. So, uh, so this brings us to Darwin. And I promise we'll come back to the birds. You might have heard of this guy. Uh, this guy named Charles Darwin. Uh, Sophie's nodding. Sophie's heard of this guy. And <laughs> um, he's this rich, white, British science dude who was like, whoa, evolution. And then more than that, he was like, whoa, natural selection is what drives evolution. And he wrote a book about it. And the book is called, whoa, natural selection, the origin of the species, <laughs> or something like that. And he wrote it in direct, 1859. Direct quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, dog. Yeah. <laughs> and he was actually way cooler than most of the people who came after him who invoke his name. And way cooler than I expected him to be when I started researching this part of the story. Among other things that have nothing to do with today's story, he, he and other scientists helped intervene on behalf of a, a French geographer, Ali Reclus, who fought in the Paris Commune and was like going to be executed for trying to overthrow France, basically. And all these scientists were like, no, you can't execute him. He's our guy. He's like a scientist. Darwin was also an abolitionist. Um, he pushed back against race science that invoked his name. And uh, he argued against any kind of like social planning that led to eugenics. Um, and he believed that people needed to be free to reproduce as they wanted, which is, again, since most eugenics is sort of based in calling itself Darwinistic, I feel like it's a big deal. And specifically, right. it's kind of interesting to me because he didn't deny this like concept of like, I guess you could change how humans work by selective breeding. But what he says is, and this is a paraphrase, not a quote. Okay, some traits are genetic, but if you control who reproduces, you will get rid of the single best trait in humanity, which is our capacity for empathy. And so he's just like, no, it would never work. And I kind of like that that's like a science approach to being like, oh, you can't do this racist thing because of this like science, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, but also too, it's like, because that isn't how it works. Yeah, it's totally. like, you need variance and randomness and yeah. like trying to direct it is not yeah. going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's just wrong on so many fucking levels. Uh, yeah. But what wasn't wrong were his iconic mutton chops, which later became um, an epic wizard beard that almost makes me sad I got laser hair removal. It's such a good beard. I don't know why. It's just, I mean, everyone has wizard beards back in the day, but Darwin's particularly good. Now that I don't hate him, I kind of always assumed he was... Uh, I don't know. Oh, I mean, I think like all learned people of the time, you're still, still grading on a curve. It's true. He. Um, yeah, I'm going to get to some of that. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 sorry. Okay, so he was like, whoa, look how species differentiate. And other people were like, yes, this justifies imperialism and the abuse of the poor. The strong survive, the meek perish. And he had to like waste his time being like, maybe you shouldn't base policy on what made one animal into another animal. Yeah. And he, he, he does spend a while trying to figure out if colonialism is comparable to evolutionary natural selection. And he also believed that men naturally dominate over women because of genetics or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, like, just so hard to, like, any scientist. It's, like, I think 
as humans, clearly we're like wired to believe like it's if it happens, yeah, it's good. Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, it definitely happens. But like one of the trademarks of being human is realizing that things that happen aren't good just because they happen. Totally. Yeah. It's like wild. Like, yes, yes, absolutely. You know, survival of the fittest occurs. Yeah. But is it good? Yeah. And there are other options. And that's what other scientists. But first, I'm going to talk about a scientist who took it the wrong way. Oh, sure. So, oh, oh, and the, the final note about Darwin. Total science nerd. Uh, the year before he dies, he's like 70-something, and which in the 19th century means you're kicking ass because the life expectancy yeah. is 40 for men in England at the time that he's alive. Um, he's almost doubled that. And the year before he dies, he publishes his last work. and His last work is called The Formation of Vegetable Mold Through the Action of Worms. And I just, <laughs> yeah, I love it. He's a science guy. He never stops. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there's two ways you can take all of the stuff he says. And there's the reasonable way and the um, way that doesn't make any fucking sense. And the guy who took it the most, the way it doesn't make any fucking sense, uh, is best exemplified, at least, by this guy named Herbert Spencer, who's another white British dude. He also has iconic mutton chops. Herbert Spencer should have been cool. His parents were Quakers. He grew up anti-authoritarian and socialist and militantly feminist. Uh, as someone who is all of those things, I like that. Um, then he took a turn to the hard right libertarian thing. And he started opposing women's suffrage and saying that all socialism is slavery and that it sure is good that all the inferior races are being wiped off the face of the earth. And he spent time complaining about race mixing, diluting the white race. He doesn't sound anything like people who are around today. (laughs) He's the one who coined the term survival of the fittest. (laughs) And he laid the philosophical groundwork for what later became right-wing libertarianism and the economics of I've got mine, fuck you. Um, survival of the fittest truly is yeah like just a tiny sliver of the theory of evolution yep that is like yeah no exactly and for some odd reason this guy died alone and lonely i'm not it's Mm -hmm. hard to imagine why um he also might have invented the paperclip there's a lot of people who claim to have invented the paperclip he is among them (laughs) so that's like the social Darwinism side, all about competition. The thing is, though, that Darwin didn't only write about competition, he also wrote about cooperation. And this brings me back to the gay animals. Because all these Darwinists, the, not the social Darwinists particularly, they had a problem. If every animal is just trying to fuck and pass on their genes as widely as possible, then why are some of them gay? Which, for a long time, people just ignored the fact that dogs were, uh, animals were gay. But have you met a dog? Like, I don't know. I only have one dog, and my dog is gay as fuck. My dog, gay <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my dog's pan, but I haven't like proven this partly because I um uh removed his capacity to um fair. You yeah. Know, fair. Really like get it out there. Yeah. But so a- some animals are gay. Uh for a while in the 20th century, reactionaries used to be like, gayness isn't natural. If it was natural, then animals would be gay, and there's no gay animals. And then finally someone was like, yeah, there's so many gay animals. And so now reactionaries instead have to be like, we are better than those gay animals. That's what makes us human, you know? Um, and, but then around the beginning of the 21st century, basically people were like, okay, we have to address the fact that animals are gay. And people were like, but why? How does this work with, if all we believe is survival of the fittest? And the answer is something that evolutionary biologists have been talking about for a hundred goddamn fucking years. And, Basically, 
they realized a couple things a hundred fucking goddamn years ago. One, sometimes animals do things just because things are fun. Um, we're not actually robots. Animals try to aren't just trying to maximize their reproduction or whatever. Birds fly around in flocks because, like, holy shit, we can fucking fly. This rules, you know? And fucking is also fun. Uh, unless you're unlucky enough to be, like, fucking a right-wing dude who buys into the Ben Shapiro thing, in which case you're not necessarily <laughs> having a good time. Yeah, all of them. Or, you know, have other drama that whatever. Okay, anyway. Yeah, um, that's a you problem. Yeah. So, uh, but also gay animals are good for community. And this is the main thing that was in this article that I read that like, I had my like mind explode moment or whatever about this. Um, uh, Gay animals foster kids and they also allow for relationships like within uh, the animal communities that aren't just like one boy ostrich, one, I'm making this animal up for an example, and one girl ostrich or whatever. Um, So you have a greater capacity for love within the community. And it turns out that that makes everyone happier, live longer, and everything is good. So... This is a confirmation of this fight that had been going on 100 years ago, competition versus cooperation, which wasn't actually competition versus cooperation. It was one side saying competition is the only thing that happens, and the other side saying it's both. It's always been both. It will always be both. Yeah. Well, that's also like cooperation is typically it's cooperation within a sphere that helps a larger group possibly compete. Yeah, totally. With a uh, you know different groups or societies or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and the the champion of this other school of evolutionary biology was none other than friend of the podcast Peter Kropotkin, who is this Russian prince. He's another rich white guy. Let's be honest, and he renounces his royalty to declare war on Tsarist Russia and all states. Uh, he dedicates his life to the twin goals of science and anarchism. He breaks out of the most impossible to break out of prison in Russia in the nineteenth century to circumnavigate the world, to foster a revolution of let's take care of each other like I watched some animals do while I was a biologist. And so he's the the anti-Spencer, the survival of the fittest guy. And he writes a book about it, and his book about it is called Mutual Aid, a Factor in Revolution, because he's also a very literal title guy. <laughs> and this is where the phrase mutual aid in the modern context comes from, is this book, Mutual Aid, as far as I can tell. Um, I don't believe this is this is absolutely not the origin of the idea of mutual aid. In fact, since Kropotkin's a scientist, it's like he's like, no, I've observed this. This ha- exists. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. And then he got into all these like arguments about it at the time. But basically, people like sort of forgot about all of these arguments. And it was all of the Russian scientists, all not just the leftists, were like, no, 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 it's cooperation. It's both, you know. Um, but the sort of further west idea kind of won over for a long time yeah it's so yeah it's so idiot i mean i i learned most of the biological side Mm -hmm. of this from now right-wing lunatic um richard dawkins's books oh yep um but his like books on you know on genetics are correct okay (laughs) it's his ideas of how to apply them to women and muslims that yeah (laughs) Which Darwin would have had a fucking fist fight with him over. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, look, this might be just uh me liking an older thing, but I would Mm -hmm. have thought that the older version of Richard Dawkins, or the younger version of Richard Mm -hmm. Dawkins would also feel the same way. But truly, what do I know? Yeah, we we can retcon it either way and just declare that young Richard Dawkins would absolutely fist fight, would be the champion for Darwin in a fight to the death. Maybe. 
Even as you say it out loud, that sounds crazy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Wait, my idea about younger Richard Dawkins fighting well, older Richard Dawkins well, doesn't I, sound I, I, logical. Yeah. No, no, just uh, not the fighting part, the yeah. uh, being a good person part. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who knows? Well, that's that's kind of, so that's like the phenomenon, right? They went and observed this phenomenon. And it's a phenomenon that Food Not Bombs and literally countless other individuals and organizations such as um, Solidarity and Snacks, not Solidarity, not Snacks, which was the nope. precursor organization much, that wasn't as popular, yeah. um, ha- has been using this phenomenon all over the world. And it is a phenomenon that rules. And that is my, my story of Food Not Bombs and Mutual Aid. That's, oh my God. Thank you for having me for this. This has been like lovely and educational but also i think like it is it is this like double-edged thing of like the history is interesting but one of the important parts of the the i think the the rules you talked about last week Mm -hmm. is like the most important part is like you know yeah but also these these people weren't gods that founded this thing you know totally it's like they they made mistakes um and it's fine but the basic bedrock is fine yeah and usable and adjustable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And but again, careful when you're serving that meat because it's a real pain in the ass on the streets. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Andrew, do you have anything you'd like to plug at the end here for us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, if you've enjoyed uh, listening to me talk, um, I'm going to be on tour with a uh, couple more dates. Not really a tour, sort of a mini tour with uh, my podcast, Yo, Is This Racist? I co-host it with Tani Newsom. We're going to be in Austin on August 20th and Brooklyn on September 10th. So possibly the single least profitable way to put together a tour. Humanly <laughs> <possible>. What? <laughs> uh, but it's fun. And it's, you know, just a nice chance to see everyone. Awesome. Yeah. And Margaret, you have a book coming out, correct? I do. It's called We Won't Be Here Tomorrow. And I didn't have a pun prepared about the fact that the title reference. Okay, anyway, and you can get it from AK Press uh, or you can get it from different independent bookstores. And if you pre-order it, you get an art print and it comes out September 20th and it's full of all of my short stories about, uh, I don't know, there's like a trans woman who feeds men to, she robs men and then feeds them to her mermaid lover. And then it's like, you know, a whole parable, imagine that. And there's another one about someone who uses drones to troll CEOs into quitting. And there's another one about the dead from Valhalla come back and fight in the Civil War against Nazis because there's no Nazis in Valhalla. Um, if you like that kind we of hope. thing. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a, it's a little bit of a <laughs> off <optimism. laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, so you can, you can buy that. And also you can... Um, listen to my podcast. I have a podcast called Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, mm-hmm. which is on Cool Zone Media. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to it every Monday and Wednesday. I have another podcast called Live Like the World is Dying. And it is about individual and community preparedness. And you can listen to it also on wherever you find podcasts. Um, but Sophie's not on it. Mm-mm. So it's not no sad. Sophia. Can we all be sad about that for a moment? A moment of silence Sophie, for me. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can, you can, you can, you can find me on, uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can just search my name. I pop up, uh, and then you can follow at cool zone media also on Twitter and Instagram. 
And if you look on the Internet Archive, you can find Sophie Lichterman's uh, MySpace page. Please don't. But please, no, look, do, but please don't. Please don't. It's there. It's really, it's really not, not it, baby. Let me but, know uh, if you can find my profile. Yeah, find Andrew T's MySpace. Find don't find mine. I'm not even <laughs> going to tell you the name of the band I was in in 2005 that has a MySpace. It's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So everyone get researched. You have a vague sense of your assignment. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back on Monday with another story of uh, of, of cool people who did cool stuff. Yay! Bye! Bye! Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts on Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there.